Welcome back to It Takes a Village, the podcast from the Village Prep School in Belsize Park, Northwest London. This is the podcast to let you find out more about the school by hearing from staff, from pupils, parents and others in the school community. Now in this episode we hear from Cora and Rachel. Cora's a deputy head and Rachel's a year five teacher and we're going to hear all about the 11 plus. Now, village prep girls move on to senior schools all across London, including St Paul's, City, Channing, South Hampstead, both Francis Hollands, North London Collegiate and Highgate School. So we're going to hear some of the top tips for parents, some tips for the pupils, what some of the jargon is and what other advice might be useful to you if you're listening to this podcast episode right now. That's all coming up. So come with me now as we step into the world of 11 plus with Cora and Rachel. Hello, I am joined today by Cora Riley Balsam, who is the deputy head and also a year six lead as well as English, and Rachel Evans, who um, teaches year five, lead with mathematics and also Senko. So thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. Thank you. Yeah, it's lovely to be here. Well, I mean, obviously there's uh, lots of questions and I know that probably parents and also um, pupils as well listening are probably sort of beginning to get to that stage where they're thinking about the 11 plus and things that are happening. So it'd be great today to discuss just a few things if you're happy. So my probably my first question is, what do you think the biggest myth surrounding the 11 plus is? That it's impossible to get into the school that you want to get into. That's not true at all. Yeah, I think that um, the the myth is that it's such a big challenge and it's going to take over all of your schooling, mm-hmm. when in fact it's such a small part of our school journey and it seamlessly fits into the school. So yeah. if we keep worrying about it, it becomes a bigger worry. Yeah. But if you just allow the journey to happen, it will just happen naturally. Thank you so much for that. So it might be useful for parents to think, how do you manage that journey and how do you help perhaps some parents and also their children as well deal with some of that stress? So I don't know, Cora, if you want to sort of talk about maybe how you get them going with that journey and prepare them. So for the majority of our families, sitting the 11 plus exam is a given. It's definitely the route that they choose to take to for their children to go on to private senior school. And with that awareness, we ensure that from around year three, which we call transition, we're helping the girls become more independent in their learning and organising their themselves in their school day by introducing individual subject specialism at year three, which continues throughout the next four years of their time at the village prep. We ensure that the girls embrace the subjects that they're learning and they embrace the specialism that the teachers are introducing them to and they take responsibility for the quality of work they're producing and we have high expectations but we have a huge amount of support available to the girls and we want the best for them so everything we do within our classroom environment is to help them achieve the very best that they are able to at that moment in time. I think many of the subjects that we do and many of the ways we teach, the children nor the parents realise that they are stepping stones for that 11 plus and that we do things the way that they're done as fun and games when they're younger and working their way up to having a higher stamina to work at a faster pace that is preparing them for that 11 plus moment. Whether it's the three hours of sport a week, some of which takes place on Hampstead Heath, but that's developing their physical stamina to 
doing their own independent homework during the school day under the supervision of a teacher. So it's not done at home. We know that their learning reflects their understanding and it's not a parent's job to support with the homework because that means that we know what to teach next lesson to ensure that every child is really secure in what she's doing and we can put steps in place to support them if they're not. So we're very aware, we teach each year group for two years. So Rachel, you teach two years of maths for year five and six. So we know what their starting point is and we get to know what their what their approach to studying is. And we know their weaknesses and we know their strengths. So by the time they join me in year six and you for year six maths, we have a really clear picture of what their strengths and weaknesses are and how we can support them overcome any hurdles that might be a barrier to them achieving as as much as we think that they're capable of doing. So we have a really long-term plan in place. Sounds fantastic. I mean, it's great to hear as well. Thank you, Cora, and for Rachel explaining some of that, because I think for many parents sending their girls to your school, you know, that wonderful idea that you talk about with the independent learning, supporting them, but actually knowing that they understand and how they're actually progressing is so powerful as well, particularly preparing them for secondary school where a lot of the support that you have in place is is taken away. And so I think the other thing you talked about as well, sort of the myth was the anxiety. And and obviously, I know by working together with parents with children, you can minimise that. But there are are other things as well that you particularly look at uh, with, you know, maybe developing resilience or other things like that as well. Uh, I think in our school, we're really lucky that we can create our own curriculum. And so we have Wellbeing Wednesday, which we run from all the way down with the little ones in yellow jumpers, all the way up through to year six. And each Wednesday, each teacher takes on the focus that's most important to their class, whether that be a class form time or circle time, or if that's studying the brain and how we actually learn and the parts of the brain that help us to learn, or if that's resilience, and it's resilience. Mm-hmm. But that gives the children that opportunity to understand what's happening in their own minds and what's the best thing they can do to help themselves and then they are skilled for life really not just for that one day I think it's it's, I think it's fascinating I think for many parents listening they're probably sort of thinking wow because you know we know um for young people there's been a lot of information hasn't in the press particularly following COVID as well, about supporting. And that's just such a wonderful idea, having Wellbeing Wednesday. So just sort of now perhaps turning to the parents, what would you say are your top tips for them leading up to the 11 plus? We'll come to their girls in a minute, but let's talk about the parents first. I would say it starts early. It starts as soon as you feel comfortable picking up a book and encouraging your child to love reading and engaging in the world around them, whether that's splashing in puddles or collecting different types of leaves on an autumn walk from the age of two, really. And that's not about the 11 plus, that's the more you engage with your child and your child in the world around them, you're nurturing um, an understanding and a curiosity and that curiosity will take them a really, really long way. On a more focused level, we try to speak to our parents uh, in year four to say, this is coming but there's nothing for you to worry about just yet and obviously there's a lot of curiosity as they become aware of the older girls going through that process and their daughters have that conversation because they're aware the conversation's taking place in school and we really just want to reassure them that there really isn't anything for you to do now but support her learning at school support her teacher 
get into good habits with reading, times tables, going to bed early, eating healthily, the whole child, the whole picture. All of that support, it may not feel meaningful enough, but it makes an enormous difference to how self-assured that child is as they then, as you know, as the work gets a little bit more challenging and our expectations increase, they're able to adapt to that with ease. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think that the all of those little bits around the edges that you don't see as being important are actually probably the most important little things that you can do. Yeah. Playing the games, board games, just encourage that sense of discovery, all of those kinds of activities. Yeah. They they are the helpful things. They they are. Yeah. And the conversations around what's happening in the news, in the week junior, we always recommend if you subscribe to that, that's a good conversation starter. But we keep an ongoing conversation with the parents. So we will have a chat with them in year five to say, what are you thinking? What are you looking for in a senior school? Are you looking for boarding? Are you looking for local? Are you looking central? Are you looking for co-ed or single sex? And we'll help them will help focus the schools that they then go to visit and we'll recommend schools that we think would be a good fit for the child. And that's based on children we've taught who have really thrived in that learning environment. So it always comes back to how the child learns and where they're going to get the support from the senior school that will help them continue to flourish rather than be the finished product at the age of 11 when they leave us. They're nowhere near the finished product. They're just on the next ready for the next stage. Yeah. And that's a really good list of questions, Cora, I think particularly for people listening. Now, just I'm going to ask you very quickly, you mentioned board games and books. So are there any ones that you particularly recommend that either the year six or the year five are enjoying either a book particularly at the moment that's going around? So for people listening, like, oh, or a board game that you think, oh, that's something I'd recommend for any family. There's quite a few, actually. Well, you're you're welcome to pick your top or tell us all. I don't mind. We have seen that um, and we've adapted our list as the exams have adapted to include more kind of physical manipulation, verbal, nonverbal activities. So there are some good games like Cubissimo, Quirkle, where you're having to look at patterns and shapes and repetition and uh, things that fit together like that. But Scrabble never goes away. Bananagrams is great fun. And my daughter's grandmother is so competitive that playing with her grandmother is one of her Friday night treats. So it's not just something the parents have to do. It's something you can open out. You must have some others as well. <laughs> Being put on the spot. Uh, I think that any any of those types of games, yeah. just even yeah. Monopoly, or one yeah. thing that we always say is, cooking with your child, actually having them take the reins and do the cooking as well. I think Mm -hmm. it may not be a game as such, but to them, that's, there's so many important life skills and your maths and all of that creativity that goes into that. Especially if you're doubling up on a recipe or, you know, if there's a recipe for four, but you're a family of six, helping, asking them to help you work out the quantities you need it's fantastic, practical. Mm. Seeing how maths works in the real world mm. actually takes away a lot of the fear of maths that some children may have. It helps them really enjoy it and see why it, why it matters. And books. I know Gorgantis and Malamanda. 
are very popular Ooh. at the moment. Okay. There are so many. Well, that's fine. I just sort of thought if, you know, sometimes <laughs> the parents say, you know, there, there's always like yes. a new book, isn't there, that sort of becomes yeah. a bit of a craze. And if there was something you'd seen on a few desks and you're like, oh, hello. Well, anyway, it's always good to hear. So, I mean, you know, obviously we thank you so much for what you've shared and particularly for parents. It's great. What about for your girls, obviously, or and other people who, who might be listening, who've got, you know, students leading up to the 11 plus, what are your top tips for them? I think the top tips are to set good study habits mm. and to not panic, particularly for the parents. I think if the parents show the panic, the panic sets in in the children. Mm. And as much as we all want to believe that we can hide it, that's, that, that's not the reality of the case. And I think Children see so much more than what we give them credit for. And they hear everything. They do. <laughs> um, scarily, they hear everything. But I think that keeping keeping the calm and trusting in the process and trusting in your child, mm. you, you know, I think our our girls know what they what they need to do to achieve. They have their own goals, they set their own goals, yeah. they work their own at their own pace and we're there to support them through that. And help them recognise the progress they're making as, yeah. a re- as a result of the good habits that have been established. Something else I would add, so I said when they're younger and they're going for an autumn walk, look at the leaves. But at this age, take them into town. You know, we live in London, mm. we're so lucky. So take them to the exhibitions, take them along the South Bank, point out the architecture, the buildings. If it interests you, that, and this is how we feel about our subject specialist teaching, if you have an interest and you share that enthusiasm, they will be interested. Um, it shouldn't feel like a, a lecture or a chore, but your interest will inspire them and helping them appreciate the world around them and the art and the culture and the architecture of the city they live in just helps them become more rounded people, people who are engaged in their community as well. I think just to add to that and thinking about yeah. our previous students, I think let their hobbies become something that they they yeah. they enjoy talking about and let them speak about it as well and share that with us. We have some fantastic students that come through our school and you don't hear about it until almost they're leaving that they are acrobats on the back of horses or they <laughs> chariot ride in France. Yes. And you think, why why am I only hearing about this now? How it's, did I not know before? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, this embrace the quirkiness yeah definitely allow the quirkiness to shine nobody wants a robot (laughs) well that's good to hear and as Oscar Wilde said exactly be yourself because everyone else has taken things so I think there might be some people thinking anyway you know the 11 plus is full of jargon you know and what, what, what are all these ridiculous words and things like that? They might have heard of things like the London Consortium, ISCB, or whether you pronounce it as ISEB, you know, CAM or CMGL, da, da, da. So I don't know if you want to hit a jargon busting round. Who wants to go first and pick a, <laughs> pick one or if you want me to feed you? Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, Rachel, London Consortium, or, or just, you know, maybe some of the things that people might be worrying about, these exams and stuff. Well, yeah, so London Consortium is the group of girls schools that are in in London and there's quite a few that are within our area and we're very very lucky that we they're at our doorstep and a lot of our parents will choose to send their daughters to one or apply to a few of those schools because of the proximity really and just how lucky we are to have them with us 
So the London Consortium consists of South Hampstead, Channing, Channing, Francis Holland, both Sloane Square and uh, Regent's Regent's Park. Godolphin and Latimer. And they very kindly have selected one exam that represents all the schools. So instead of a child sitting for six or, well, we wouldn't encourage six schools, (laughs) but sitting individual exams for each one of those schools, they sit one exam and the results are shared amongst the schools that they've applied for. And for us, that again reduces the pressure on on the child to perform at the age of 10, which is how old they usually are when they're sitting these exams. So the consortium is a group of schools that have come together under one exam umbrella. And then CHEM and ISEB are the exam boards that set the papers in brief. In brief. So for different schools, um, sometimes for the consortium, but for other schools across London as well. So they're just different types of exam boards, much as the same as when we do GCSEs and A-levels. Right. Are they all done online or do you kind of go into schools and sit them? So that, again, is dependent on the school. But COVID was actually, um, not many good things came from COVID, but Mm -hmm. one was the move to doing many of these exams, not only online, but in school. And so I think that really reduced a lot of the stresses that comes with going to a new school, sitting in a brand new hall and being other children. <laughs> and being the littlest person and feeling very lost. Now they're at school, they're sat with us, they've got a you know, they've got our faces on the other side of that screen. So they feel that security of I've done this before, I can do it again. And off they go. There's no real fear mm. in what they're doing. They're so comfortable with it now. So I think that online process for many schools now has been good. Some schools still uh, will have the children sit written papers at their schools. But again, I think that's a good experience for them because they get to go and see for them what is a really exciting big new place. Yeah, and helps them get used to the idea that they will be moving. Mm -hmm. And we are such a small (laughs) boutique environment that it is healthy for them to be in a much larger school environment. Um, even though some of those schools would describe themselves as small. There aren't many as small as us. No. <laughs> they always come back. They oh, always, yeah. yeah. I love that expression, a boutique. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, I'll take it. Well, should have, obviously, it's been so great to talk to the two of you. And thank you so much for giving up your time. Obviously, I know you speak to parents all the time. So what is your best piece of advice you know, for us to sort of leave on from either of you? Actually, from both of you, I think we really want to hear. For a parent whose child is currently six years old, to so they're about to sort of become aware of all of this. What would you say to them? I would say enjoy, enjoy them being six, being seven, being eight. Really enjoy the moment. We look after them. All the, I mean, here at the village anyway, but we look after them. But we want them to love school. We want school to be a place of happy memories and happy learning, not an environment where they're constantly reminded that they have exams and all the anxieties that might go with that. They are children. They're just emerging as beings and everyone learns at a different age and stage. But by the time they're 11, we are really secure in the fact that we know we're helping send them on to a place where that will continue to bring out the best in the individual. And I think that's that's a hard thing to decide earlier because mm. st- children flourish at different stages. So giving them the opportunity to secure friendships, secure their understanding of how they learn and who they are 
And then when they're ready, giving them the wings to fly, that's, yeah, don't panic. <laughs> Maybe in three, but yeah. Brilliant. I think that's great. Just, as you say, enjoy, savour that moment. Thank you, Cora. Rachel, what about yourself? Well, you took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> now you've got to top it. I don't know how I can top that. But I think um, one thing that I thought of when you say a six-year-old and even when we have the younger children coming to join our school, parents choose our school because the personality fits them and mm. our, you know, we fit each other. We work hand in hand to help raise your child. And we'll do that again when it comes to the 11 plus. We find the personality of the school that fits your child. And I think that's the most important part about choosing a senior school is what, how does your child's personality and that school, how do their personality fit together? Because that's what will make the journey successful. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much. It's been a total pleasure to speak to both of you today. So thank you. And obviously we wish all any parents and their children going through the 11 plus at the moment, I uh, wish them all the best. We know that their time at the village will have just, you know, prepared them for that so brilliantly. So thank you again. Oh, it's no, a pleasure, thank Arabella. You thank, you. thank you. Thank <laughs> you. That's it for this episode. To find out more, check out the school website, thevillageprepschool.com. Now, our next episode is coming out soon. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.